Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another Mornings with the Masters, where we devote ourselves to the Lord daily with you. Good morning, you guys. You just sounded like a, a news anchor. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Hello. Anyways, sorry. How'd that sound? Was that okay? For anyone who's just audio only, does that sound like, and the weather at nine? Well, it was funnier because we were like mid-conversation, and as soon as he finished one word, he just turned his face to the camera and started and I was like I feel like that's what you see on news yeah. anchor shows all the yeah. time where they're talking and then they're like on air I just need to shuffle some Good pages morning. yeah okay. honestly we're gonna jump in sorry for all the uh, little banter banter back and forth but I will say this whenever you're a thousand episodes deep you just <laughs> you do whatever you you know you're just like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with Tori a little bit I'm gonna try to catch her uh -huh. off guard but yep. Yep. back to devoting ourselves to the Lord we're picking back up a new morning mercies and Tori's gonna take it from here yes y'all let's do it today's devotional says this our struggle with sin is so deep that it was not enough for God to forgive us so he also unzipped us and got inside of us by his spirit. Perhaps all good theology is meant to be both humbling and comforting at the same time. Why is this? God did not intend the theology of the Bible to be an end in itself, as if theological knowledge were the goal of grace. No, every part of the Bible's teaching is designed to be a means to an end. And the end is a radically transformed life. Having said this, the theology of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is particularly humbling. Why doesn't God just save me in the beginning, welcome me into his presence in the end, and leave me to myself in between? Why is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit presented as an absolute gift of necessity for every believer? The answer is because of the utter gravity of my condition as a sinner. You see, justification deals with the guilt of sin and final glorification with the ultimate defeat of sin. But the presence and power of the sin that remains in between must be addressed or the work of grace will not be complete. Sin does not... <clears throat> Sin does not leave us merely guilty. It renders us unable. It robs us of the ability to live in a way that pleases God. Sin kidnaps our desires and distorts our thoughts. It controls our tongues and rules our behavior. It, snaps, it saps our resolve and weakens our knees. It leaves us lame, weak, and unable. We don't just need forgiveness and ultimate deliverance. We also desperately need present help. Help so that we will have the will to desire and the power to do what is good in the sight of God. Our struggle with sin is so deep that only God living inside us can give us the power to please him with our living. So God doesn't just forgive us, call us to do what is right, and promise us a final home with him. He comes to us in between. He gets inside us, working within us, because there is no possibility that we will desire and do what is right without the inner working of his power. How humbling. Not only can we not take credit for our salvation, because it is all the result of God's justifying grace, but we also cannot take credit for any aspect or any instance of our obedience, because apart from the Spirit's presence, we would have neither the motivation nor the power to obey. 
Yes, we are new creatures in Christ. And yes, we are alive in him. But without the spirit, we would have no power to defeat sin. Where's the comfort in this? Here it is. If you're God's child, you already have the Holy Spirit inside you. You don't have to hope and pray that he will be there for you. He has come, and his convicting and enabling grace is his moment-by-moment gift to you. Yeah, this is really good. Mm -hmm. I went to kind of a deep place, and I guess I just want to give everyone like a little warning for that, that I'm going to talk about like some addictions and stuff like that. I've seen it in my own personal life. I've studied it in school, and I'm sure you all have probably witnessed it as well, but there there are a group of people that are referred to as functioning addicts, Mm -hmm. where whether it's alcoholism it's tobacco or it's other drugs. It could be a lot of different things, but basically these people have integrated a certain substance into their life so frequently that they have learned how to function with normal day, or at least they they have perceived Mm -hmm. that they can function in normal day-to-day activities while being high or drunk or whatever, right? And it's a really scary thing to think that you could show up to work and get your job done completely while under the the influence influence. and it's it's scary but the thing is is a lot of us has tricked ourselves into being functioning sinners Mm. or we think we can live in sin and still function in the real world and yeah maybe we can go to school maybe we can go to work maybe we can have some community and some relationships but i think we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can continue living in sin Mm. without incredibly negative consequences on our life and our relationships and everything around us mm-hmm. without pursuing the righteousness of Christ and, and being set free from that sin and finding freedom from the addiction that comes along with sin. And so that was just something that really popped in my brain is to ask ourselves, wait a second, am I just, am I, have I just learned to function inside of this? Mm-hmm. Am I okay with my gossip? Am I okay with my slothfulness? Am I, am I okay with, my, with the laziness? Am I okay with gluttony? Am I okay with cursing? Like, like you know, cursing people with my language. Am I okay? With, have I just learned to deal with this? Mm-hmm. Have I learned to, to just, it's a part of my life. And that's something that I think is so important. And just like what the end of this devotional is saying is that, but there is hope. That if if you do have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you've accepted Christ into your life, then we do not only have hope, but we have freedom from these things. Yeah. We don't have to function with this quote-unquote monkey on our back where we're constantly feeling burdened. We're constantly feeling annoyed and frustrated and foggy and irritated and sleepy and just not okay. We have freedom from that through the Holy Spirit, but we have to embrace that freedom we cannot return back to the slaves of chain uh, to, to the chains of slavery, like what Galatians five one says. Yeah, that's so good. And I also was just thinking about this other aspect of the devotional that he was talking about, because I think as Christians, we can also get caught up in the fact of look at my obedience, look at my faith, look at my side, own yeah. righteousness, and look at all that I'm doing for God. And I was reading the other day in Colossians, and I've read this in other passages a lot, and I can't remember exactly what I was reading the other day that coincides with it. But this is Colossians 1, 7 and 8. It says, you learned about the good news from Ephoritus, our beloved co-worker. He is a he is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So the love for others that you have was a gift 
from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave you the ability to love others as Christ would love them. The Holy Spirit is who gives you the ability to obey. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the power to desire the things of God. Because left up to your own devices, apart from the Spirit, you do not have the power to do God's will. You do not have the the desire of God. You have your own sinful desires that are ruling and taking over your thoughts. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit your heart can be aligned with Christ because of the power of Holy Spirit. You can desire what God has for your life because of the Holy Spirit. You can love others well. You can see them through Christ's eyes and not your own, but it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not our power. It is because of him. It all points to him. Every good thing that we do in our life is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And how incredible and how humbling and how just awe-inspiring is that fact that we don't take the credit. And that's good. That's a good thing. It's that recognition of that's why you don't have to be a good person to get to heaven. It's not about that. It's about faith in Jesus Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit and then letting the Holy Spirit do his work in you so that you can act according to God's will while we're here on earth and be God's hands and feet. But we cannot Mm -hmm. be God's hands and feet without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's really good. Um, In full transparency, I almost picked a devotional plan for us to do called Love Harder. I ended up ruling it out. It just got to be a little bit long. But I was I was reading day one. It got to this part where it's kind of was asking that whenever you're, say, bumping shoulders with somebody who you disagree with, they don't like you, you don't like them, what's your natural inclination? And, incl- and the inclination for me is to pull away. I don't like this person. I don't want to deal with them, right? And I just go, I go find people I do like. Yeah. He's like, well, what if Christ did that to us? Yeah. Every time we appeared unlikable to him. Right. And it's like, when do we feel like pressing in to love harder? Mm-hmm. And I, I love that what you're saying in this is like through the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to to take our natural inclinations aside, push them aside and love harder in situations and reflect yeah. his love, not mm-hmm. our own preferences. Yeah. I mean, I even think about the power of that in my own life. I think about when my mentor was pursuing me and she had an amazing relationship with the Lord, was planting a church, just incredible. But I look at my life at the time of her pursuit and she totally could have been like, oh, she's a cute girl, but she is definitely living in the world. Like not worth my time, you know? And the fact that she actually pressed in and was intentional with me Mm -hmm. and the impact that that had on my life. Yeah. 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 Well, to piggyback off what you just said, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Are you ready to phrase that out? I am. Ah, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you are living, breathing, active, and your spirit is alive inside of us. Father, we thank you for the power that is in us, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, Father. We thank you that Through that power, we can live according to your will and not our own. Lord, right now, we pray against every thought that would come up against you. We pray that you would help us make those thoughts and desires obedient to you, Father. We can't do it in our own strength. We are very aware of that, Father. So we're praying right now 
that your Holy Spirit would be so active in us, that that conviction would be louder and louder and louder, that your voice would be magnified in our hearts and in our minds, Father, that you would open our eyes to see who we can love better, how we can obey quicker, Father, and how our life can be set apart and different from this world. Lord, we thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for your plan, and we thank you that we get to be a small part of the bigger picture that you are always working. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God. Amen, God. Amen, y'all. Now it's that perfect time to break out the worship music, break out the journal, and continue pressing to the Lord. Yes, and y'all don't forget that you are God's masterpiece. And don't forget that we love you. We love you guys. I'll be talking to you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.